When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Before the game kicks off, let's ramp it up with college football overtime. Here's, here's, here's Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. Welcome into college football overtime. My name is Garrett Chapman. His name is Abe Gordon. Some people stop for the offseason. I don't know what an offseason is because college football happens each and every day, and we love to talk about it right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. So thank you so much for joining us. No, no matter how you're joining us, whether it's on podcasts, whether it's on YouTube, just make sure you're liked, make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're following along all offseason long as we get into the dark days of the season. But you know what? We got plenty to talk about right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. We had some drama between the NCAA and Tennessee we might have had the straw that broke the camel's back, and we're going to discuss that right here. Plus, the Big 12 released its upcoming schedule. They've expanded to 16 teams. Let's see what that schedule looks like. But before we do any of that, I got to welcome in my co-host, Dave Gordon. How you doing, buddy? You know, I was really prepared for it to actually slow down, and uh, and then we get the bombshell dropped on us a couple days ago. So uh, that is certainly not the case, and this one actually may ultimately um, – kind of changed the landscape more than anything else we've dealt with in the past couple of years, which is wild considering how crazy mm-hmm. the landscape has been over the course of those years. But uh, this, this is a big one. Excited to dive into it with you. Yeah, so let's just jump in. Let's just jump right in. But, but, but before we do that, California and Florida, we, let's go back to 2020, back where they changed the law and they, they allowed 16 months for the NCAA to – do something about it. They said, well, effectively, our athletes can profit off of their name, image, and likeness. We don't think it's fair. California and Florida both did that. Other states promptly followed suit. And, and that's really where we got into this name, image, and likeness sort of debacle. And then in their infinite genius, the NCAA sort of holds a couple of meetings and they say that, wait, well, we'll do something about it. We'll see what we can do. Let's, we'll, we'll produce some guide rails. This will be fine. And then July 2021 rolls around and nothing happened. Nothing, nothing at all. And they effectively just prayed for for government intervention, which, of course, anybody in their right mind, they know that that's really the best course of action, right? Well, what happened now is they are effectively, and correct me if I'm wrong, retroactively punishing universities and institutions for their inability to promote fair play, provide some guidelines. Same thing that we saw with all this t- transfer portal stuff with Tez Walker and, and with North Carolina. And then they just they, they tell him that he can't play. He doesn't play for the first couple of games of the season. And then seemingly overnight, they just say, hey, actually, you can play. It's well, you should just blame your institution for not being able to file paperwork properly, which 
yeah, we, we absolutely know that was the, the that was exactly the reason that Tez Walker couldn't play. It wasn't the fact that you realized that you were an institution that should be there to support the student athletes, not support the whatever the money grubbing individuals were. And now, of course, we have what's going on with Tennessee. And, and one of the, the programs that they have isolated is, is Tennessee. And they are trying to effectively punish them for some impermissible benefits that were provided to the during the recruitment for five-star quarterback Nico. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. I still haven't gotten that down yet. I'm still working on it. Nico, I promise I'll do, I'll do better next time. But I cannot pronounce his last name super effectively, so he's just going to be, be known as Nico here. And they're giving them level one and level two violations, which at this point would be a, a, second, a second violation because, of course, Jeremy Pruitt went through his whole issue with the McDonald's bags and handing out cash and, that's fine. That's one thing. That's a different thing entirely. And I'm not going to address that. This is mostly on the NCAA for not providing any sort of guide rails, any sort of recommendations, any sort of penalties, and now trying to retroactively punish the University of Tennessee. In Tennessee, they're now coming full throttle back at the NCAA. The, t- the chancellor of the Tennessee program, Donde Plowman, basically says that they had, quote, two and a half years of vague and contradictory NCAA memos that have created chaos that NCAA member institutions and student athletes are, quote, struggling to navigate. They're suing the NCAA for their negligence, and I I support them. So there's a lot of interesting angles to pick at on, on this one, Garrett. And let's start at the beginning. The problem started at the same time NIL began. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there was other problems before that, but it, it really does start with the introduction of NILs and collectives and that whole industry. And the problem was the NCAA was given time to find ways to regulate it properly, and they did not. And, and I know there are issues with different states having different laws, and the NCAA kind of just let every state pick their own setup. That's why we are where we are now. Now let's fast forward to some of the conversations you and I have had just in the last two weeks, Garrett. We we have stressed our concern about the collectives and, and their abilities to govern properly to benefit the schools. That That's not necessarily – it is their goal. They're trying to make their school's football team better – but ultimately they're playing by whatever rules they feel they want to play by. And this is where you have issues now is that a lot of these things that the NCAA is, is looking at is done by a collective, not by the school. And so their, their inability to regulate at the start of this at the front end has now led to people on the back end finding ways to get benefits that shouldn't be given out. And it's essentially impossible for the schools to regulate because you're not allowing the schools to to control the money. It's got to be a collective that's not tied to the school. And so it it all comes all the way back to the idea of this was always going to happen at some point because the schools were not in charge of the money. And you and I have talked about this so much the last two weeks from both sides in terms of collectives seem like at some point they could be fraud. It could be a scam to they're not actually benefiting the students. It's a money-making industry. 
all of the different angles we've touched on. And it's now led to this. And, and it's, it's a situation where this could have been avoided with the proper regulation. It could have been avoided with um, a little bit of foresight, I, I think, is, is the other aspect of this. Um, how did you not see this coming? How did you not see because how did you not see not affiliated directly with the school not cheating? I mean, it's like it was always going to happen at some point that way. And, and, and look, we'll talk about it here in a couple of moments. But now now you look at the big picture. Um, and I don't know if it's as drastic as everyone's kind of jumping to, um, but it might be. Uh, I, I mean, the question is left there, Garrett, because it's not just Tennessee. It's going to be other schools. It's going to be other states. Um, is this, the, a, a, again, we have to kind of big picture it here, and I want to hear your answer. Mm-hmm. Is this the beginning of the end for the NCAA as it relates to college football? I think ultimately, and we don't know the timeline for this answer, but I think ultimately that's probably where it's headed. Yeah, no, this is where we're heading. And this this has been where we, we've been heading for, I'd say, a number of years now. And, and, and really, this comes from the injunction that Tennessee and Virginia filed. And look, they made this... It may not be the end of the NCAA per se, but it would be the end of NCAA enforcement, which if you remove their teeth, then I don't really know what their point is anymore. I, I, and we talk about them as a governing body. They're, they're really the only option that has existed in college athletics. That's it. And, and I'm not saying, and I, I think, look, at the end of the day, it's like if the NCAA goes away, it would create a power vacuum that would need to be filled by something. So I think the next question is if if their teeth are taken away, which it sounds like that's the direction that we're going in, assuming that Tennessee gets what they, gets their way on this, which I, I think they there's a very good chance that they do. Otherwise, I don't think that they would be pushing back as hard as they are right now. They really, really, really think that they have a good shot at this. And if they do get their way, which I'm assuming they will, then – the NCAA loses its teeth and we don't know who steps in. And, and then that get, leads us to this, the new future of college football, which has long been the future of college football, which is just super conferences. And that's where it, the, the, the football alone steps away and breaks off and creates its own new division and its own league of sorts where you can create, uh, you can collectively bargain with the athletes. They can receive compensation. You can uh, align media rights deals along evenly throughout all of these programs. And I don't know if that's necessary. All of these things are going to happen necessarily, but you have to open the possibility, the, the door to that possibility, because that's just where we are in college athletics. If you want to see college athletics continue, which I think based off of the amount of people that I see who listen to this podcast, based off of the amount of people who watch those national championship games, based off the amount of people who watch a, a mundane ESPN plus game, on whatever platform like people want to watch this sport continue because it's meaningful and it matters to a lot of people and in order to preserve that sport they need to get away from the ncaa and get away from the ncaa as quickly as possible yeah uh, 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 it feels like a fast forward to where we're ultimately are going to be headed um but but it 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 just I, I'm so befuddled by the fact that we had how many different parties begging 
for for regulations for how many years now um in congress in their state assembly like where wherever they could they've been saying time and time again this needs to be regulated it mm-hmm. needs to be regulated it needs to be like one central rule we all abide by it yep. wasn't and now you find yourself sitting in this position here so at the end of the day whatever the future holds whether it's ncaa or not ncaa whether it's some of the schools that are involved and others are separated or it's all the schools involved, whatever it is, you've got to get to a point where there's like one agreed upon set of regulations and bylaws and what you can do and what you cannot do in regards to these players, because they're always going to try and find their advantages, skirting the lines, whatever it may be. And if you're dealing with 50 different rules in 50 different States, it's going to be an absolute nightmare for the sport. I, I mean, look, the sport itself is okay. It's the second most popular sport in the country. It's not dying down anytime soon. But there are aspects of it that are in trouble. Um, and and so I think that, to me, is, is the biggest concern, is how quickly can you find a pathway towards universal regu- regulations and legislation on this? Because – it didn't matter who asked for it, whether it was the all-powerful Nick Saban, um, state senators, um, congressmen, whatever. We, we, we've asked for legislation on this for how many years now, Garrett? Six? Going on six years, seven years, whatever the number is? Yeah. And, and we haven't gotten anywhere with it. I, I think this is, um, this is a real kind of wake-up call into the fact that if you didn't think we need legislation before, like this really should be the final straw to like, get it done, figure it out, or we're going to have a dramatically different. And again, the sport itself will not change. Mm -hmm. Um, The sport of college football in terms of lining up on Saturdays is not going to be dramatically different, but, but the the other aspects of it, uh, you you know, where money comes from, how money is divvied out um, conference. I mean, all of that stuff could be up for grabs based on where we spin this and where, this all ends up and, and look, I, I compared it earlier today to me, this is like the Italian mobster that makes the power play. And it only ends two ways. It only ends up on top or six feet under. There is no settling back in and controlling parts of this. Like if you're the NCAA, this is your power play and you chose to make it right now. And you either solidify your standing and end up on top or where we all seem to think it's headed, you made a miscalculation, a gross miscalculation, which is what this appears to be with the way that Tennessee is fighting it, and you're going to end up six feet under. I, I, that's kind of the way I take a look at it. And, and I, I don't know if you feel the same, but but I, I I mean, you know me, I'm a movie guy, and it kind of feels like like that's what's going on. Yeah, the Corleone family doing what they got to do <laughs> to, to stay on top. Uh, yeah, I, I understand that reference completely. But yeah, really... <clears throat> I think I have a slightly different timeline than you do just based off of just what I've seen. So I'm going to take you back to 2020. And of course, not a lot of people like to remember 2020. Of course, we were in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic and um, a lot of like the NCAA cancels the, the cancels March Madness and and, and the, the College World Series. And we're into the summer months and, and a lot of programs start saying or conferences and the NCAA in general are saying, nope, fall is canceled. We're not doing anything. 
And I, and Greg Sankey stood up and said, no, no, we're, we're going to wait. We're not going to cancel anything. And there was a lot of pushback and a lot of people were, were calling for, for him. And like they were saying he was doing something terrible, whatever. And I don't care where you stand on that. You and anybody who's listening, it doesn't matter. That's not the point of this conversation. That is when we, and then we ended up having a season and everybody else came back into the fold and they followed his lead. That was really in my mind, one of the first times that somebody stood up to the NCAA said, we're going to do it our way. And they called their bluff and the NCAA folded the rest of the conferences all folded and they all followed suit. And, and it's, and, and I understand that they, in this day and age, Tony Petiti and Greg Sankey, they dictate the, the future of the sport, whether they, yeah. they like to admit it or not. They're the two most important power brokers in, in college football in college athletics in general, but specifically college football. And, when Greg Sankey stood up and made that decision and then everybody else just sort of followed suit soon after that's when you realize the NCAA is in over its head and we're past, we're past them. And, well, it, and that's it, just true as a sport. Just to double back on your point. Cause I think you're making a great thing. The other problem for the NCAA is, is it starts with Tennessee, but you've got other member institutions in the sec that are going to back Tennessee. And what starts is one. Yeah. Georgia backs them. They don't like whatever. Florida backs them. You get Texas, and it jumps into the big. T- and now you've start now. That's where the the problem really becomes an issue. If this were San Diego State trying to fight the NCAA, we're probably having a different discussion. In fact, it's probably barely being covered by um, the you know the national media. Yeah. But but it's not, and we can already see where it's headed. And you're right. Um, college football goes as the SEC goes, whether Big Ten people like it or not. That's just the truth. Um, and and for it to start here in the SEC, and and look, they are fierce competitors, but you know that every other school in the SEC looks at this as we can't let them do something we're not doing sort of thing. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it, it's going to snowball uh I, I would imagine relatively quickly now that doesn't mean this whole process plays out quickly um but i think in terms of teams coming and siding with tennessee like you're like you're kind of suggesting that they did back in in, in the era of of a potentially canceled season mm-hmm. um yeah I, I think you get enough backing and it, it starts to become the movement i agree with you yeah because you, you just follow the timeline of what the ncaa has done since covid it, it, it's just been consistently them trying to to swing wildly and try to regain the, some of that lost power and since since that covid since covid-19 it's like they've they've swung wildly and missed and they've only like ceded more and more and more and more power because they tried to go to the government and say they went to the supreme court they argued in front of the supreme court one of their arguments was that People prefer to watch amateur athletics compared to paid athletes, which is just insane, but not the point. The point is they lost. They lost that argument. They spent tens of millions of dollars fighting against name, image, and likeness, and they lost. And then they had a chance to set up guide rails. They didn't do it. Then they had a chance to to say, hey, well, you have to do this as far as the transfer portal is concerned. They lost that battle then too. They have consistently ceded more and more and more and more and more control until we are at this point now, which I feel like it's a breaking point that we are plain and simple because this feels like they are wildly swinging their fists and they just connected with somebody who punches back. 
Yeah, again, I just, when I think over what led us to these issues, it it still goes back to the, the refusal to allow schools to control these decisions. Like that, that, that's really the base of it. Like the whole idea of collectives having the money is what has put you in this situation. And, And we ask for legislation, we ask guidelines and regulations, all that stuff, but to, to allow entities that while they would like to support the school, but are not directly affiliated by the school, probably do not understand the NCAA bylaws and what is and isn't allowed. Like you were always going to end up with this um, and, and you're going to get into a situation like you have now with Tennessee where they're like, well, you wouldn't give us control. What do you expect from us? Um, and and it, it just, it, it could have been, could have been handled. Like, like the, it, there should have been foresight to foresee that. I mean, well, if it was have, the court instead. Yeah, it, it, they, it was, they went to the Supreme Court, and then they they tried their <laughs> battle, and then they just sat on their hands. Um, the the only path back, in my opinion, for the NCAA, and not that there is one at, at this point, but if there's going to be one, um, it, it is a plan for for legislation and regulation. Um, and I don't know if at this point that would be enough. Um, but that's the only path back because if you can't provide that, the schools will find a way to bring it upon themselves to do so. And mm-hmm. if that's the plan, if that's the roadmap they have to follow, you're no longer involved, which is what you've been discussing and setting up at, at, at this whole time anyways. Um, now, whether that leads to the other discussion of payers are played directly, employees of the unit, I mean, who knows? Who knows? I think ultimately that's probably the simplest answer in terms of controlling the money. Um, and I don't mean controlling money in, in the way the collectives do it. I mean, in, in terms of fairly divvying out what, what is allowed, but um, you, you just, you opened up the wild West with, mm-hmm. I mean, at least in wild West towns, when you go For into sure. a new city, the sheriff checks your guns and says, no guns allowed in this town. When you're ready to leave, check out like, like, like there wasn't even that. Like there wasn't even that. <laughs> I know I'm making like a lot of terrible movie references, but, but and you kind of know what I'm getting at, though. Like like you just welcomed them into town, and it was a free for all. I was like, you should have known you can't just free for all. That that there are some things you can do while you're here, and then some things you can do after you move on. Uh, and, and so um, that just wasn't how they played it. So I don't know. I got to get off the movie references. They're not exactly direct but i think you get the gist yeah i know you need a doc holiday or something like yeah. that just to kind of control things a little bit but well why you know what was, I, well, hold on then because now now you screwed it up wyatt <laughs> Earp was the doc holiday is the villain theoretically no wyatt you're, Earp's right, you're the right sheriff. i guess you're, so right. you're you know, right you get some okay corral history let's go okay come on great <laughs> great movie if you haven't watched tombstone go check it out I, I, that's actually a movie that's back on my list of, of rewatch like movies i want to rewatch great movie great movie but it Let's move into to something a little less complicated. Um, I guess the Big 12 released its schedule. You could maybe this is more complicated than the NCAA losing all control of college football and, and, and athletics. Well, at least it, it. look, it may be more complicated. At least it's written down on paper well, it, and we know exactly what we're at looking we know at. Who's here. playing who and at what, like, <laughs> at what day and at lo- what location. At least we have an and, idea. And we have a rule book that they all, they're going to play the football games by. And then we know when they're going to play in a conference championship game. At least we have that because you know what? 
that matters, you know, because each game that's being played is played by the same set of rules, theoretically, right? Well, we can hope, but the NCAA is doing its own thing. I'm not going to, nah, they kill me. The Big 12, yeah. they, of course, expanded to 16 teams uh, just to match what the SEC, the, the Big 10, all these other conferences are doing right now. And your power four, as it stands right now, you got 16 teams in the Big 12. You got 16 teams in the SEC. You have 17 teams in the ACC, and the Big Ten is is not the Big Ten; it's the Big 18 now. Um, and you have the Atlantic Coastal Conference, which expands from spans from Pacific to Atlantic. But nothing makes sense in college athletics anymore. Let's just put it out there. So they they added UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, and Houston last year. This year, in comes Colorado and Deion Sanders, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. Uh, they're all going to play nine conference games alongside the Big Ten. We can have that discussion, too, if you want to talk about however many conference games they, they want to play um, because the SEC and the ACC are only playing eight conference games. My my whole thought with, with the conference games is I don't really care, but that's something where we can go back to, to our conversation that we were just having about if you have a, a single governing body, everybody would play by the same rules, which means you're playing the same number of conference games, right? Yeah, a, a couple of things here. I guess, you know, this is probably more talk we should have had. I don't think we were actually doing the podcast back then, but when it was announced that they, they were expanding into um, the teams that are welcoming in from the Pac-12, I think that is a good step for the Big 12. Obviously, losing Texas and Oklahoma is a killer. There, there's no denying that. That's but it. the teams you mentioned that came into the conference a year ago, Houston, BYU, UCF and Cincinnati, that's a serious step back in terms of relevance for the conference. And say what you will, but Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, um, that that that's moving back into the direction you needed it to move. So I, I do think it's good that, that they were able to accomplish that. Uh, that being said, um, there are almost no rivalries in this conference. You and I were talking about it beforehand. Yeah. Uh, you, you can force whatever fake name or fake trophy game you want, but with the exception of Arizona, Arizona State, and, and, and the Holy War, um, there's Holy really just – yeah, yeah. There's just really not a lot of traditional rivalries people are going to care like, about. You don't like Farmageddon? Like I said, you, you can throw State, whatever, State, it's throw whatever fake trophy, State. fake name you want in there. But no, <laughs> it's not a traditional rivalry. And, uh, you know, I've always felt like you got one big, like one big one, right? And if Iowa, Iowa State's the big one, then that one can't be. So, you know, that, that, that if Kansas, Kansas State's the big one, then the other ones can't be. So, um yeah, you keep you keep some of them, um, but it, it it is odd to see, and there's a lot of mixing and matching some of the new teams and some of the old teams. Uh, ultimately, though, um, it's an underwhelming schedule. Uh, it, it just is, and it's very tough to look at this schedule and say these are going to be the games people are paying attention to on a given week. Yeah. In the background, like I like when I look at all right. So you know me, right? I've got the four screen set up here at home. How many times are one of these games going to be higher than TV three? I I, no, I mean, no, you're you're probably. really stretching it. You're I mean, maybe there's well, just... the best games. The best games that happen in this conference are with people not in the conference. 
Right. I think I'm looking at Colorado. Their game with Nebraska, I'm interested in just because Nebraska is going to be an interesting team next year. Well, and Colorado is just and and, and this is where game. we now get to the amount of conference games. Um, and and say what you will well, about before you, before you say that it, it's it's literally only because it's because Texas and Oklahoma are gone. They tried to replicate for conference, yes, the in conference schedule. They're yeah, trying sure. to replicate what those two two were. That, that as far as national relevance is concerned, I don't care about UCF. UCF doesn't care about playing BYU or or maybe they do Cincinnati because of their old American days. But UCF versus Arizona, I don't care about that. Uh, you talk about Utah versus Houston. Okay, like great. I mean, like they're 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 fun college football games. I mean, BYU Utah is relevant just because it's the Holy War. But mm -hmm. Texas versus Kansas State was an exciting game because Texas it's Texas. That's why. Oklahoma well, let me ask you this early. question. Here's it's the question. That's it. You were in a situation over the past number of years in the Big 12 where if you beat Texas or you beat Oklahoma, it almost made your season. That's a meaningful there way. is no team now in the conference where you're like, if you beat them, that made your season. Like, like that, that team doesn't exist anymore or it might change year to year. If you beat Texas, whether they were up or down, it didn't matter. You beat Texas. Yeah. There, there, is no, every, there is no there is no team conference. in there. Yeah, there's every no team like that anymore. Blue blood. Every conference had a blue blood. Like you go to the Pac-12, it's USC, it's yeah, it's an Oregon, or it's like, and then the other ones change, but they're also not they were like the low the lowest of the level. Yeah. The Big 12, obviously, it's Oklahoma and Texas. The SEC, it's it changes by the year, of course, but it's Alabama and Georgia and and those kinds of teams, right? Now. They just have a lot of them. Uh, and then you go to the Big Ten and it's Penn State, it's Michigan, it's it's Ohio State. It's consistent. Uh, like those are your top programs, and you know who those teams are. And whenever those teams play, people are going to be tuning in, whether you're a fan of that program or you're a, 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 you hate that program, you know. And right now in the Big Twelve, there's no juice. Like there's nothing that gets so, me excited. Now, can I get into the conference? Yes, schedule? you can get into the. So conference here's the schedule. thing. Here's the thing <laughs> is, but the argument you just made is why they should be in line with the SEC on a nine-game schedule. Because I would be infinitely more interested in Utah playing Wisconsin or or whoever. BYU playing UNC. Uh, sure. Like the extra conference game doesn't give you any juice. Whereas I think playing a non-conference game would give you a little bit more juice. Especially if you can get it against the top tier programs in other conferences. And I think that's what we've seen out of the SEC. And this is the concern about these 10 game conference schedules. And look, maybe it'll be different. We don't know the landscape necessarily, how it would play out with a 12 team playoff and how having one loss or two losses doesn't kill you every year. But sure. the fact that we have Alabama versus Texas, Georgia's versus Oregon's or Clemson's, um, you know, Virginia Tech and Ohio State. I don't know if that, but you get my point. Yeah. Like the fact that we have those at, at multiple times in the first say month of the season, whether it's the kickoff game or week two, like Alabama, Texas was, or even some later into September, like that only happens because it's a nine game schedule, in my opinion. And, and, and I wish the big 12 um, and the ACC would consider that because I would love to see more cross conference 
uh, not rivalries, but agreements. And, and I think that does die down with the big, uh, with the 10 game schedule. You just don't have as many opportunities for that. Uh, and so th- that's, that's for me is why I prefer the nine game schedule. And look, some teams don't schedule the big boys, right? They use that to schedule scrubs and, and, and you have to accept that. But uh, on the national scale, I think being able to schedule power versus power um, is so important. And, and it just, it's so much more relevant than seeing BYU Baylor. Like it, it just is. And so for me, that's, that's why I like the nine game schedule and give teams opportunities to get on the national stage a little bit more. Yeah. And, and I can't speak completely to all of this, but locking in opponents too. Yeah. Like whether it's, <clears throat> whether it's, you know, Houston versus uh, like Texas tech or something or Baylor versus TCU. And, and, and that's one of those things like the sec has done such a fantastic job about this just in particular. Georgia and Florida is on Halloween every year. Then you have the third Saturday in, in, in October, and you have um, like all of these awesome rivalry games that you know it's like a clock. You know, it's like, and they are going to hit this week, and this is what's going to happen. And it's like, hey, this is that week, and you look forward to that game for 365 days, and that, that's meaningful. And in this schedule, it's like you kind of lose a lot of that. There's just, and I, and I like where you're getting with that, and I think that uh, it's an interesting prospect, I'd say, for, for the Big 12, but I think all of this is temporary. It's all temporary just until we move into the, the future of what the college sport is going to look like right now. It's just trying to keep your head above water. And as it stands right now, the big 12 and the ACC, they're doing everything that they can do. But I, I think it's pretty telling when you have your, your big releases and everything else and everybody's paying attention to what the SEC and the big 10 are doing. And then you do yours and it's kind of like a footnote on, on the story. Oh, you yeah, had like you had like source leaks, uh, you know, 36 hours before the Georgia schedule. Like, here's one of the games. Same with Tennessee. Here, here's <laughs> one of their games. And yeah. uh, you, you, the whole the whole Big 12 got released. Mm. You're like, OK, man, like they didn't have a cool. special. They didn't have right. a, a TV special for it. I mean, you're like, OK, man, cool. Let's see. And looking down the list, 164 games. And I'm not interested in any of them. Not not a damn one. So. Yeah, it's unfortunately I, the state of things. The funniest thing is that I like a lot of these Big Twelve teams. I, we'll I, watch the game. You know, we fun. are big. We are we're college watch football them. fans. We're going to watch the games. Good. Yeah, but, but but the draw nationally is is, is man. Ju- like they're like I say they're treading water, but it's like, dude, they're treading water with with weights attached to their feet right now. It feels like a lot of noon kickoffs on ESPN too, and that's just brutal, man. I, I just. Or they might be they might be in the Fox deal. I don't know. Whoever, whoever the hell they're on the feel, Fox just, deal. They're on the Fox deal. Just I, feels yeah, like you're not I getting much primetime no, coverage. Uh, where's Big Noon kickoff going for any of these games? Because their other partner is up in the Big Ten, and you're going to have Washington and and Michigan yeah. playing each other in a yeah. rematch of the national championship game. And then you have your your, your old your ex Texas who's going up to to play Michigan, and and like there's. There's nothing like that. There's no juice. There's no excitement. There's nothing about it. And and I think that's just where we stand in this landscape right now. I, I think there's a, a lot. The next set of conversation, I guess, is going to be centered around which conference goes next. Um, and it, it's looking increasingly like the ACC. Of course, we have Florida State that's in their whole debacle with the with the uh, with the conference, and we'll we'll see what ends up coming from that. But 
The Big 12. I I, I will say this. I I just looked at their schedule again, and it is probably something they're going to need to do more of um, this year and into next year. A lot of games do have, like, Friday or Saturday availability. There's, like, one or two a week or or one every week. I I think for this conference, that Friday game, I, I know there's a lot of arguments against playing Friday football. We don't need to get into that now. But in terms of getting seen on on a, a national TV scale, um, especially if you could start it later in the night, right, like a nine o'clock kickoff, nine Eastern, something like that, um, that that might be something they they take hold of as well. I, I guess I, I don't know like, who do you want to watch your sport. You a lot of your football fans are bro. I go out to a sports bar every Friday night and and have some drinks. If you could tell me, I can tell them to put on whatever channel it's going to be on at 9.30 at night, and I can start to watch college football, I mean, I'm in. I guess, <laughs> man. I guess. I just – I feel like Friday is sacred, and uh, but I guess nothing is sacred in this new, new era of college football. But we'll see what ends up happening. We're going to keep you guys updated on everything right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast throughout the course of the offseason, as bitter and long and unfortunate as it is, We'll be keep we'll be here to keep you company. So make sure you're liked, make sure you're subscribed, make sure you are tuning in every single time we drop a new episode. And we thank you so much for joining us right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. We're gonna be seeing you again on Monday morning. So make sure you're tuned in right here. Till next time. His name is Abe Gordon. My name is Garrett Chapman. We'll see you Monday. <laughs>